Hello and welcome to Outspoken, your dose of the hottest influencer and pop culture news twice a week. I'm Sophie Torbert and I'm joined by my sister and journalist Kate. I feel like we're dropping like flies at the moment. I wasn't here on Friday and now Amy's not here. You sound incredibly sick, Kate. Yeah, well, Amy's not here because she's moving house, but I I think I said on Friday's episode, I'm next. I caught Sophie's cold. Fortunately, we don't have COVID, but I do apologize for my very annoying and croaky voice. At least you'll be able to tell the difference between Sophie and I in this episode because a lot of people say they can't tell our voices apart. It's so weird because there's, I feel like there's this really weird cold. I'm not trying to sound like Chloe's up here, but there is a different cold that is <laughs> spreading around at the moment and I feel like it's taking a lot of people out and it's frustrating because I feel like I've had this cold for a week and now I'm scared I'm going to get COVID on top of it. Oh it just reminds you how annoying it is being sick and I know it's not like that sick but it's just enough to make you think oh god I really don't want to get COVID. On a bit of a nicer note, I'm really excited because with Amy not here I feel like we've got full reign to talk about our weddings and give listeners a bit of an update. Yeah, Amy's not ultra keen to talk about weddings, even though she is getting married. But anyway, so my update is I have almost locked in my cake. I just need to pay the deposit. Uh, And I was really excited because I've been wanting one of those cool retro cakes. DJ Tiger Lily actually had one at her wedding and it had her new last name on it. So I think I'm going to copy that idea. I thought it was really cute. So I'm just going to be doing a slicing cake at my wedding because we're actually doing gelati for dessert. And it's just funny because when you are planning a wedding, everything is a lot more expensive than you think it will be. So the fact that this cake is not as much as I thought it would be is a bit of a money win. Sophie, what about you? Where are you at? Well, I have been venue hunting for so long now. We've looked at about three and I fell in love with the last venue, which is Golding Wines. It is stunning there. I think the thing that got me over the line was the fact that they have this live pizza making station. So instead of canapes, you can watch them making pizzas and they'll serve them up while all of the bridal party are having photos taken. Oh, I hope they save some for us or maybe we can bring our own pizza out to the photo taking. Nah, they'll <laughs> definitely have some for us. But I'm just going through all the, the boring admin at the moment, all the contracts and everything else. But I'm just feeling a little That's bit... That's all it is, Sophie. Yeah. That's all wedding planning is at the moment. You've got to get a really good spreadsheet going. I think I sent you through mine that you mm. can edit up. I'm just feeling a bit defeated though because the only dates that they have available are 2024 and it just seems so long away so I feel like I almost can't get excited about it and I think that's a good tip to anybody who's just got engaged quickly find where you want to have it because some of the waiting lists are ridiculous the thing is I actually uh, the other weekend celebrated my engagement anniversary if that's even a thing uh, so it's been a year since I got proposed to and that has literally flown by so I don't think you should stress I think that you need a lot of time to actually plan the wedding yeah that's so true I haven't even done my little proposals to my bridesmaids or our grooms yeah, I'm waiting yet. I mean yeah I'm just <laughs> keeping you waiting but for anyone who has just got engaged there's this really great page on Facebook called Wed Shed now I'm just pointing out it's not Wed Shred it's Wed Shed and basically it's an Australian page where a lot of brides share where they're getting married a lot of their tips it's so good because you can just look up like any wedding topic and someone has put examples of what they've done it's a really useful page and It's funny because in Adelaide, we've got one called Adelaide Wedding Chit Chat and it's a little bit tacky. Like it's just got stuff that you wouldn't really want to do. It's a bit of a DIY page. Not that there's anything wrong with DIY at all, but I feel like the Wed Shed page 
is a bit, bit more of, a, of our vibe. Yeah, I do prefer the Wedshed page. I have found the Adelaide one handy because it's obviously more localised and I did get a really good recommendation for my wedding cake. So I don't want to shit on it too much. They're both good in their own right. <laughs> I feel like I snapped back quicker this time than I did with Fox. Do you really? Yes. I I thought you're one after Fox. Like I remember the next day being like, where has your belly gone? Like it was like literally yes. within two days it was gone. Yes. Sarah's day has been forced to edit an episode of her daily podcast where she outlined her top tips for bouncing back after pregnancy. In a written statement, the self-proclaimed holistic health princess and her husband agreed bounce back culture is toxic and has no place in 2022. Now, Kay, I know you listened to the unedited version of this episode, so you need to fill us in on what was actually said. So the episode was originally titled Sezzy's Top Tips to Bounce Back After Pregnancy. And if that wasn't bad enough, the episode description read, before we get shunned for using the term bounce back, we don't mean getting back to shredded abs. We're talking about stretch marks, ab separation and weight management. Here are a few tips on what to do during pregnancy to make your bounce back journey post-pregnancy a little easier. I just find Sarah's reference to shredded abs really laughable because it shows how small-minded she is when it comes to what real women are thinking about postpartum. And it's like she knows that she can't talk about shredded abs, but she tries to soften the blow by calling it weight management. And by the term weight management, it's clear that she's talking about weight loss. And I also think the reference to stretch marks is also ridiculous because they are just a normal part of women's bodies. And I do know during pregnancy, a lot of women do like to put different creams on to try and limit their stretch marks. But what can you really do once they're there? Oh, I totally agree with you. And I'll just get into a little bit more about the episode so you've got some background. She spoke about how she feels she, quote, snapped back quicker this time than she did with her first son, Fox. And then she went on to outline how her ab separation with Fox was four centimeters, but this time around it's only two and now it's gone down to none. And in terms of the stretch marks, she did admit that genetics comes into play, but then went on to recommend people invest in high quality meats and fishes in their diet and to buy collagen powder to avoid them. And the episode focused a lot about correct ab exercises, and it all seemed a bit of a plug for this new ebook that she's bringing out for pregnant women. And then she also was talking about the importance of a balanced diet and had to add in that she's had macas and I don't, it just seemed so disingenuine. And I just felt like there was this constant focus on they didn't want to say the wrong thing while saying the complete wrong thing the whole time. Now, on Friday afternoon, the Health Code's Instagram account featured the following statement on their feed. It said, Hi, everyone. We just wanted to let you know that we absolutely hear you and your feedback regarding our most recent episode. We totally agree that bounce back culture is toxic and has no place in 2022. While the episode itself was focused around taking care of yourself during postpartum and not at all about bouncing back, we know that the title the episode was given did not reflect this. In future, we will ensure that we personally cross-check all titles and social media posts before they go live to ensure that they reflect the content 
of the episode itself. In light of the above, we have decided to remove the episode completely as we don't want to contribute to messaging that doesn't reflect our own values or empower women to always feel comfortable in their own skin. We're really excited to bring you this podcast next time with a title that reflects the content of the episode. At the end of the day, we only want to bring out content that empowers you, inspires you and uplifts you. Thank you for everyone's feedback. We really value and appreciate you all, Sarah and Kurt. I have a lot to say about this statement. Firstly, I feel like they're just trying to shift the blame by saying in the future, we'll ensure we personally cross-check all titles and social media posts before they go live. As I said, I listened to the original episode and they were well aware of the title. In fact, Sarah was the one who actually came up with it. Let's throw to what was said. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Health Code Daily. Now, before you send me hate, this title is called How I Bounce Back. Now, the word bounce back, oh my goodness. I was racking my brain. What else can I title this episode? But like... Nah, I don't care. Everyone's too (laughs) sensitive. Who cares about disclaimer? Let's just get into it because honestly... I just love how in the statement they say that they agree that bounce back culture is toxic and and has no place in 2022, but Kurt is there literally mocking people who find it offensive and labels them too sensitive. It's actually unbelievable. It's super confusing because from an outside perspective, it looks like they're just trying to lay the blame either on a team member that they work with or someone from the team at Spotify. It's just not a good look. No, it's just it's just embarrassing because the episode actually like the whole start of the episode said that they came up with it. it I just don't get it. Like who is allowing this apology? Well, it's not even apology because they didn't actually say sorry. That's, it's that's, a statement. That's the cardinal sin with apologies. When you put out an apology and the word I'm sorry is not in there. I mean, it's so clear that they need some sort of proper PR team working with them because there's just mistake after mistake. And the way that they deal with the public, I mean, in this situation, they're assuming that their followers are, are fucking idiots, to be honest, and will just mm. buy this crap they've all listened to it like the thing is though i find it interesting because for those who don't know the health code podcast is a spotify exclusive so obviously sarah and kurt have signed a deal and a contract with spotify and i would assume that spotify would have some say in the content and i do think that the only reason they've put out this statement acknowledging that the title was incorrect Mm. was because of spotify because if you take a look back at sarah's history she has been involved in so many controversies i mean you only have to think back to the start of this year when her ebook sweat at limitless was slammed because she was Well, she was alleged to be targeting it towards people with eating disorders. And at the time, there was so much social commentary around this ebook, but she never acknowledged Mm -hmm. it. She never apologized. She dug her head into the sand and pretended like nothing had happened. And this is often the the approach that she'll take. She will also create diversions with her children. A lot of people talk about this approach. However, it's funny because it's only when she is involved with a brand like Spotify or the White Fox boutique drama that she actually has to acknowledge her mistakes. Also, I always think it's a bit piss weak when people just put up a written apology and they don't actually jump on their channels because, I mean, the the two of them, she speaks nonstop on her Instagram story. Mm. They could have actually, if you're actually genuinely sorry about something, you take the time to connect with the listeners that you've potentially hurt to try and make it right with them and explain perhaps where you got it wrong. The awkward thing about this whole thing is this episode of the podcast appeared to be a bit of a 
soft launch for her pregnancy ebook. And for this ebook, Sarah is collaborating with a physio. So it's also this physio's professional reputation on the line. So I am interested to see how they navigate the promotion mm. and possible backlash that may come with this book. Mm. And I have noticed on the whole Spotify deal that Sarah and Kurt are beginning to launch a lot of their friends and relatives podcasts. So Sarah's sister has a podcast called Welcome to the Womb because she's a midwife and it's brought to you by House of Grom. Now, a couple of months ago, we discussed how this is Sarah and Kurt's new sort of production house and they're getting into producing podcasts. So I do wonder if Spotify has forced Sarah and Kurt to make a statement about this episode, could there potentially be a split between Mm. Spotify and the health code because they might want to just go and be produced by House of Grom so that they're not accountable to anyone and can say literally whatever they want. Well, Sarah did say on an Instagram story that a lot of people are wanting the longer format episodes and are really missing them. And she Mm. did say, oh, you know, you never know what's to come. So you could be right there, Kate. Now, the social media promotion around this particular episode was also very questionable. For those who didn't see it, the health code uploaded a highly posed photo of Sarah in a white bikini holding her newborn on a holiday. And I just feel like that photo is so far from the reality that most mums going through postpartum experience. I mean, firstly, many mums pointed out that they would not be wearing a white bikini a couple of weeks after giving birth because they'd be worried about any sort of blood leakage or anything like that. And I just don't get why they chose the image. The photo had already caused debate on Sarah's own Instagram account and also led to her uploading a video where she showed her seven-week postpartum body at all these different angles. And in the caption, she wrote, I wanted to demonstrate how impactful posing and lighting can be in terms of physique. I can twist my body and make it look like I have a tight toned stomach. However, unsurprisingly, being seven weeks postpartum, my stomach is still soft and a little unstable. I mean, if you're trying to be relatable, why would you not use a photo of you perhaps in bad lighting that wasn't posed as much that was actually a little bit more relatable to what other women are going through at the moment? Yeah, and that photo that Sarah uploaded epitomized bounce back. And you can't say that that wasn't the point of the whole episode. And another part of the statement that really stood out to me was the part where they said that the episode title doesn't reflect our own values or empower women to always feel comfortable in their own skin. Now, for anyone who watches Sarah's channel, she is always taking part in what she calls project comebacks. And after their recent trip to Port Douglas, she discussed on her stories how she and Kurt needed to get back into health and fitness. And, you know, they just needed to get back on track. And Sarah is continuously body shaming Kurt. She's always saying, you know, paying out his dad bod when he doesn't even have a dad bod. And we can't forget when Kurt said in his wedding vows that he prayed for a skinny wife. These two are both so caught up in diet culture. This has just shown how out of touch they still are and that they're really entrenched in that old school diet culture. And it just makes me feel really sad for mums who are probably feeling pretty isolated and perhaps alone at this time during their own postpartum and are going online to find mothers that they connect with and are seeing this sort of damaging imagery. And I mean, that being said, there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to lead 
a fit and healthy lifestyle and wanting to exercise. But I think there's a total difference between telling women that they must bounce back. That's their number one aim. As soon as you can work out, hit the gym. I mean, most women don't have time to be going to the gym when they've got a seven-week-old baby. I mean, they don't have all of the luxuries that Sarah may have. Oh, it's all just so ignorant. And I just don't understand how these two still have such a massive platform when they are so out of touch with reality. They literally still think that bounce back culture should still be a thing. And they have both participated it in so many times, not even just the pregnancy with Fox, but this time around, we have seen so many times where Sarah is pushing this toxic culture. And it really makes me feel sick thinking about the impact that this episode would have had on mothers with postnatal depression and even just mothers in general. There is enough pressure on mums when they have just had a newborn to even think about going to the gym. It just makes me feel really sad and actually really stressed out to think that when I become a mum and how seeing this type of content will make me feel when I'm in a really impressionable stage Mm. and also a very vulnerable stage. Now, in this statement, it was super confusing because they were acting as though they were removing the episode completely, but they ended up just editing certain bits out. So they edited the bit out where Kurt said, who cares if they're sensitive and that they weren't going to be putting all these disclaimers in for the sensitive ones. And I just can't believe they didn't pull this whole episode completely. I mean, they're just opening themselves up to criticism and for people to go and check out the episode more. It also took them a while, but they did change the title of the episode to Sezzy's Top Tips Caring for Your Body Postpartum. Now, to me, this title didn't even make sense because they kept the original episode minus a few parts. And the whole episode was talking about how to sort of prepare your body whilst you were pregnant so it was easier to bounce back. So why not just completely pull the episode, as you said, and re-record it to an episode of how to care for your body postpartum? I just don't get it. If you're feeling sad about all the influencers going to Fashion Week, um, just know they're all having like the most awful, boring small talk with each other while they wait to get a photo in front of that brick wall. The who's who of the influencer world was out in force at Australian Fashion Week. While Sammy Robinson took centre stage with her clothing line One Mile, debuting its own runway show, other influencers and reality stars were fighting for front row seats. So if a lot of drama went down and some critics were not happy to see influencers basking in the limelight. No, they weren't. This year's guest list was put under the spotlight by the Sydney Morning Herald, who said that the star power was lacking this year. So a lot of A-list celebrities were replaced by influencers, reality stars and it girls from Sydney's social scene. And in the past, I mean, I didn't realise this, but we've had huge A-list celebrities going to Australian Fashion Week. So people like Elle McPherson, Kim Kardashian, Misha Barton have all been flown down. But this year, we didn't really have anyone of that caliber. And journalist Andrew Hornery wrote, it was left to the likes of former Foreign Affairs Minister Julie Bishop, Married at First Sight has been NASA, and (laughs) Kyle Sanderland's ex-girlfriend Imogen Anthony to soak up the limelight in front row. It's a bit harsh on Julie Bishop. Oh, I know. I hardly call her a (laughs) has-been, but I mean... Now, some of the notable influences in attendance were Maddie J, Brittany Hockley, Laura Byrne, Anna Heinrich, Bella Valaris, Olivia Rogers, Jado Tunchi, Maths Olivia Fraser, and also Dominica. 
Now, online critics also slammed the guest list and these comments did crack me up. Someone wrote, the largest bunch of wannabe nobodies assembled in Sydney this year. (laughs) I don't agree with that because I actually like a lot of the influencers on that list. Another person said, it's a dingy, tiny, try-hard event with a bunch of wannabes. Just give up, Sydney. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Well, the Daily Mail reported that former Vogue editor Christy Clements defended organisers' decisions to invite reality stars and influencers, saying the new breed of celebrity reflected fashion's new accessibility. Christie said, everyone has the right to participate and enjoy fashion week and that's not me being woke. That's the reality. She continued by saying, yes, it's not as elite as it used to be, but you know what? Fashion is entertainment. I completely agree with Christy. I mean, influencers are the new breed of celebrity and they have incredible impact over what young women are buying. And they are so integrated in the fashion space now, whether they're the face of a fashion brand or whether they're starting their own fashion line, that it would be unfair to exclude them. And I agree, it would make it this very elite, untouchable event. And I think, of course, we're going to see them sitting front row at Fashion Week. I do think that these journalists seem hung up on the fact that they don't know who these influencers are and therefore they're not relevant or important. I've noticed that rhetoric around a lot. It's like, oh, okay, so I don't know who they are. I'm still cool. So maybe these people are just stupid and that they're not important, but it's completely untrue. And it's quite clear that these influencers have been picked for a very specific reason. And I have been seeing Fashion Week all over my newsfeed. I've been seeing all the runways. It's very attainable now, this fashion. It's not so snooty and so exclusive that we all can't be a part of it. And I think that that's a great move. The one thing I did agree with with this article was the fact that I did think that there were an overwhelming amount of reality stars there because I do think reality stars and influencers fall in two pretty separate categories and yes of course I think that the people who the contestants that were on maths this year should have been invited it did seem a little bit tacky to have people from three or four years ago that most of us don't remember and also people who don't really have anything to do with fashion the thing is though How many of them were actually at the top shows? Because I heard Laura and Britt on Life Uncut talking about Fashion Week and they were giving a bit of an inside look at it. And they were saying that there's this notorious brick wall where you'll see a lot of influencers posing for photos. And essentially, you don't even have to attend the event to be able to access this wall. Wow! So it's likely that a lot of people or influencers were just rocking up there, taking their photos and pretending that they were a part of the event and they were not. And they were also explaining how there's, you know, different shows and certain shows will attract, you know, the higher echelon of people and then other shows may have reality stars at it. Well, it was pretty funny because the Daily Mail and also Pedestrian actually reported that a couple of former maths contestants were trying to steal the front row seats and actually succeeded. So apparently NASA was spotted front row at an Oraton show, which people found quite shocking. And he was sitting next to Phoebe (laughs) Burgess at the show. And apparently sources say that she actually turned her back on NASA because he kept trying to talk to her and ask for a photo. Oh, my gosh. And after getting nothing from her, he finally left that front row seat and gave it to the actual occupant of the seat. Now, embarrassingly, he actually came up to her after the show, allegedly, and snapped a photo with her and then posted it to his Instagram account as if he was hobnobbing with her. Oh, do you know what's awkward? So was he, did he steal the front row seat so he could film a little bit to act as if he was front row or was it just trying to get a selfie with Phoebe? I think both. 
Now, the other alleged seat stealer was Olivia Fraser from Maths, who apparently snuck into the first row of the Beckenbridge show after being seated in the second row. Now, the original owner of the front row seat was apparently not impressed and was loudly <laughs> complaining. So these publications actually went to Olivia's rep. So Olivia's rep confirmed that she did indeed sit at the front row, but insisted that no one complained. She continued by saying that Olivia was chatting to a number of people in the front row who asked her to stay. So she did and continued to watch the show. It's pretty (laughs) funny because... In Adelaide, we work with a number of fashion brands and we have been involved in getting influencers to come along to some of the fashion parades. I mean, it's not quite the influencers that you're thinking about who attend in Sydney and Melbourne, but there have been a few fights over the seat. So one of the girls, someone just completely stole her seat. I think it was a member of the public just sat down in her seat and they stole her goodie bag. So she had to sit (laughs) in the back row. She was so dirty about it. Mm. I mean... It is pretty bad. Like there's nothing worse than having your seat stolen if you've got a good seat. And there's that awkward thing where you're like, I really want to say something, but do you? But you don't want to sound like a dickhead at the same time as well. I can imagine just sort of being like, oh, all right, I'll sit back here. Yeah, it's very awkward. Well, in terms of influencers, everyone was talking about Sammy Robinson's fashion label One Mile, which made its debut at Australian Fashion Week. And in the fashion world, this is a pretty big deal because the brand is only two years old and it's an online only brand. So the runway show was held at Beta Restaurant in Sydney's CBD and to fit with One Mile's beachy laid back vibe, they constructed this really cool wooden boardwalk for the runway, which also had sand around it. And the room was packed with fellow designers, media, friends and family. Now, for those fashionistas out there on the runway, Sammy's collection included knitted skirts and mini sundresses in deep ocean blues and mossy green colours, as well as leather corsets and matching pants. I hope I sounded very in fashion right then. (laughs) You did. And at the end of the show, Sammy appeared in a chocolate brown floor length jumpsuit, which Olivia from Mouse probably didn't like, and waved to the (laughs) crowd before running off. And As a self-confessed Sammy Robinson fan, I was so excited for her and really proud of her in a weird way. She just looked so happy and it was really nice to see someone actually taking their brand to the next level. I mean, obviously she's had a lot of privilege in her life, which has helped her get to that level, but people no longer consider One Mile as an influencer brand. It seems to be a brand that's actually standing on its own. Well, Elle actually did a large spread on the show and interviewed Sammy about her early success. And Sammy said that it was really important for One Mile to stand on its own separate to her influencer career. She said, it was important to me that it wasn't a one-off launch. So I made sure I planned a year in advance so the brand would have timely drops, consistent launches, cohesive collections. This way, we were able to retain our customer base and ultimately build it to be bigger than just an influencer brand. I wanted it to be strong enough on its own that people came back not just for me but because they loved the product I was really impressed with this quote I mean it's it's hard because when you see all these influencers being faces of brands you do question how much effort they put in and how much of it is them and not some sort of team behind them but I think when you follow Sammy on social media it's quite clear how passionate and hands-on she is yeah and the brand has really grown exponentially since Sammy launched it out of her apartment with her part-time PA because she now has seven full-time staff members and said that they're ready to take on 
global expansion. And it's just so fantastic to see her flourishing in the fashion world. And I think that she is paving a real career for herself outside of the influencer space, which potentially doesn't have as much longevity as other careers. I also think it would have been especially tough for Sammy last week because obviously rumors are swirling that she may no longer be with Jordan Simi. And I mean, it would be an incredible amount of work to put on a show like this. And it'd be really hard if you emotionally were upset or distraught. I mean, I can just reflect on how terrible I was going through a breakup. So I think hats off to her that she was able to pull it all together, particularly with all of the stuff going on in her personal life as well. Oh, yeah, I kept thinking about that and kept thinking how clear it is that they have broken up because surely if they were together, he would be there at a show. Front row. Yeah, exactly. Now, another influencer who made headlines at Australian Fashion Week was Jade Tunchi. And The Confidential reported that many industry commentators were not impressed by her fashion choices. So it appears that she committed a cardinal sin when it comes to Australian Fashion Week because she was dressed head to toe in Louis Vuitton, which is obviously an international brand. So one local designer said, obviously everyone loves a high-end label, but at Fashion Week, when it's all about Australian designers, it's pretty average to promote an international brand. She clearly didn't read the room. Of course, you can wear an international designer to Fashion Week, but when you are an influencer and people are dressing you, it would be nice to support local. Why not accessorize with a bag or shoes, but wear an Australian designer? I'm not Jade Tunchi's number one fan, clearly, but I actually felt a little bit bad for her and felt that this attention was quite unwarranted. She only wore Louis Vuitton to day two of Fashion Week. She was there all week. When she went to support her friend Sammy Robinson, she did wear One Mile. And I just think at the moment, a lot of news organizations are wanting to jump on and slam her so that then they can bring up all the other controversies. They obviously know that she's good clickbait. And I just thought it was a little bit unwarranted. Yeah, well, she wore Beckenbridge to Beckenbridge's show. As you said, she wore One Mile to Sammy Robinson's show. So it was one day where she wore Louis Vuitton. It seems like a little bit of a stretch. I did find it interesting that she was sitting in the front row though at a lot of these fashion shows considering all the controversies that she has been a part of I suppose in the end all of these controversies just make her a bigger name because a lot of mainstream media have been picking up on stories about her so it seems to have really helped her career the fact that they noticed that she was wearing Louis Vuitton and made a story about it. Well, a lot of the shows that she did sit front row at were shows that were put on by her management agency, Max Connectors. And for those who don't know, they actually run a PR business also while specialising in influencers. So maybe it's Fashion Week was seen as a bit of a rebranding move for her and an effort to get her back out there. Talking about like what the influencers were wearing, I found it hilarious because Sammy Robinson and Bella Valaris, they're sort of in the same friendship group as Jade Tunchi. So they were all hanging out with each other. And you, they clearly don't communicate because they rocked up in the same outfit. It was this oh, striped I didn't see brown that. Yeah, it's so funny because Bella Valaris is quite short and Sammy Robinson's quite tall. And because the outfits were striped and um, like matching top and bottoms, I think that's a co-ord. I don't know. I'm showing my lack of fashion knowledge. But they kind of look like bananas in pyjamas when they were standing <laughs> next to each other. <laughs> 
I did really enjoy Abby Chatfield's rant about Fashion Week. Now, she didn't attend. I'm not sure if it's because she chose not to attend because there were quite a few influencers. Well, I don't like to call her an influencer, but a podcaster, Victoria Devine, didn't want to attend the event because it is sponsored by Afterpay. Well, I think maybe Abby was doing her live podcast shows. Maybe that's why she wasn't there. Yeah, well, in this Instagram story, she reassured her fans that they weren't missing out on anything by not being there. She said, if you're feeling sad about all the influencers going to Fashion Week, just know that they're having the most boring, awful small talk with each other while they wait to get a photo in front of the brick wall. Like, just know that. (laughs) It's funny because Laura Byrne and Brittany Hockley were also saying that while they had a good time at Fashion Week, You have to get there so early. So there's all this prep to get there and wait around. And then the shows only go for like seven minutes. Oh, oh my God. I didn't know they only went for that long. That's crazy. I think it looked really exhausting. I kept watching Olivia Rogers updates and it did look like very early starts, a lot of makeup, a lot of prep. I mean, it did really seem to be all about the photos and being seen there. Oh, definitely. I mean, the fact that someone like Olivia Rogers bought her stylist styled by Bloom, Paul Versace, you can see that this is such an important event to get photos at and to look fashionable. Obviously, it's Australian Fashion Week. Guys, what do we do? I want to save these little baby rats. I want to keep them. There's one more baby rat. Can we, do you want to keep them as pets? There's one more baby rat. See, how could anyone kill... How could a pest guy kill this? It's so sad. I don't even know where to begin with this segment, but Sky Wheatley has taken her followers on the journey of attempting to rescue four baby rats that were born in her kitchen cupboard. <sighs> oh, this just makes you feel sick even thinking about it. <laughs> now, what disturbed me the most was that she decided to pick up the baby rats out of the cupboard, lay them in her hand and begin patting them. She told the camera that she was obsessed with them and wanted to keep them. She then continued to ask her son, Forrest, if he would like to hold one of the rats. <laughs> At this point, all I saw was that she was holding a baby rat on her Instagram story. She hadn't prefaced that these rats were from her pantry. I was like, surely this is someone's pet rat. There must be a backstory. But no, these are rats that she had discovered had been born in her pantry I could not believe it. Like, it made my skin crawl. And this is coming from someone who is a vegetarian. I'm an animal lover. And it just made me want to vomit. Mm, One of the baby rats, sadly, only had three legs and part of its tail missing. And when Skye asked her son, (laughs) Forrest... so horrible. (laughs) And when she asked her son, Forrest, would you like to pat the rat? He's like, isn't it dead? I feel so horrible laughing about this poor rat without a leg. But the whole thing is, because this actually really shook me to my core. I went and Googled after, like, because I always thought that if you disturbed a nest, then the mother rat or whatever, that mother animal would abandon the babies. And from my Googling, it appears that you're not meant to tamper with the nest. So I just don't understand why she held the rats. It seems like she does have a bit of a history with rats because Sky explained that she used to have a pet rat as a kid. And she said she used to allow it to eat food from her mouth. No, <laughs> sorry. She did clarify that. No, the, the pet rat was called Mitzi and she said that Mitzi used to eat food from her teeth. I'm surprised she called it Mitzi because I'm assuming that's a throwback to that ABC show, The Ferals. And Mitzi's the rabbit and Radis is the rat. <laughs> I mean, if it was a girl, maybe she didn't want to call it Radis. She did put up a question box, though, asking her followers 
what she should do with them and how she could save them. So in her defense, I think she was trying to come from the right place and she seemed to be quite protective over the rats. But I just want to put it out there because I did a bit of Googling while watching these Instagram stories <laughs> and I just don't want anyone to think it's a good idea if you find a rat to actually touch them because, I mean, I can't even read out the number of different diseases that they potentially can hold. And as you say, Kate, a lot of people were messaging Sky saying, oh, the fact that you've now touched these rats, the mother may potentially eat them because your scent is now all over the rat. Because disturbingly, after she took them out of the cupboard, she then decided to put them back in the cupboard, back in the and kitchen make a cupboard, new nest. and, and she made this made a new, new nest. nest. Oh, it actually, I felt like vomiting. This new nest out of toilet rolls. What about and when she's like, oh, there's all rat piss and shit in this cupboard? I was like, Ugh. <laughs> Well, thankfully, she did ring a wildlife rescue park who said, bring the rats in. Potentially, if they're native rats, we may be able to rehome them or save them. So she did do the right thing. She went and took them in. But then sadly, it then flashed to a scene in the car where she was hysterically crying because the wildlife rescuer said that there's a high chance that these rats are not native and they are, in fact, pests. So if they are, we will have to euthanize them. And I'm sorry, because it's actually really sad. But the whole thing that stuck with me is she kept saying euthanate instead of euthanize. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God. I did feel sorry for Skye because I could tell that she was very caring because a lot of people would be like, ooh, yuck, I'm getting them exterminated. And I actually recently had a mouse plague in my house, and I'm sure a lot of people have been in that situation recently. Well, you and- live in the hills, so... No, but, explains I mean, it a bit more. Yeah, but no, there was that massive um, mouse plague in New South Wales as well. Didn't you see that footage? It was alarming. Anyway, and I, being vegetarian and an animal lover, was like, okay, we have to get humane mouse catchers. So I got them and you fill it up with peanut butter and essentially catches them and then you go and let the mice out. So I was doing that and it was literally like filling up every hour with like two more mice and then I would get in my car drive to the reserve a little bit away from my house and let them out. And I ended up having to call the pest inspector and be like, I don't know what to do. There seems to be so many of them. And he said, look, you can't actually humanely get rid of them. Mice have a gestation period of, I think it was something like 28 days. And he said, your house could literally have hundreds of mice in it in no time. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) So sadly, it seems to be a problem that you do have to get professionals involved and it's really hard to be humane and it makes me feel so sad even thinking about it. But you've got to protect your own health and safety as well. So are we thinking that Sky Wheatley's mansion is going to have a couple of hundred rats anytime soon? Well, you've just got to get rid of the source, I suppose. Well, the mother rat is still running around. Yeah, well, I did Google what the uh, the gestation period for rats were, and it's similar to mice. I think it's 28 days, and that they can have litters of around eight rats. <laughs> so it seems like that would really get out of hand pretty quickly. I just want to say before we finish this episode, I'm so sorry if anyone was eating their breakfast because I had my lunch before recording this, and I found it quite <laughs> difficult to eat because it just made my skin crawl, this whole topic. <laughs> Oh, well, I think that's all we've got time for today. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Who would think we would be talking about Sky Wheatley's baby rats? 
<laughs> if you have enjoyed the show, could you please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify? We would also love it if you would share where you're listening to this episode from. I feel like people used to get around that a couple of years ago. I would love to see where everyone listens from. I feel like we have a lot of mums who listen. Maybe if you're out on your stroll, take a photo, tag us. Yeah, that's a good idea. And don't forget to join in on all the conversations going on in our Facebook community, which is Outspoken, the podcast community. And also, please give us a follow on Instagram and TikTok. Our handle is Outspoken underscore the underscore podcast. 